This is Physicians Weekly. Welcome to this episode of Physicians Weekly Podcast. My name is Dr. Rachel Giles from Medical Medical Publishers in collaboration with Physicians Weekly. Do you remember that the Zika virus outbreak was a real concern at the Brazil Olympic Games of 2016? To find out if Japan has been able to learn from that experience, Physicians Weekly speaks with Dr. Annie Sparrow, an assistant professor of population, health science, and policy at Mount Sinai Hospital in New York. The potential risk for the Paralympics, held just one month later, are also discussed. For nearly 40 years, Physicians Weekly has been a trusted source of medical news and information for healthcare professionals. Thank you for joining us, Dr. Sparrow. I'd be happy to help in any way I can. What would you like to know? The IOC will proceed with the Olympic Games. Is this supported by the best scientific evidence? Well, it's proceeding. So for better or worse, it's proceeding. And that's what we have to work with. I think that it is extraordinary when you think about last year, where the Olympics were cancelled when Tokyo had less than a thousand active cases and globally we had less than half a million. And here we are you know, a bit over a year later and we have... You know, Japan is still in a state of emergency. It has upwards of 70,000 cases, maybe 80,000 now. We know more about how to treat this virus than we did last year. Will that help? Oh, you think? Well, it, well it's true, but I, I, no, I, I, think, well, I think you're right in that, yes, we do know a lot, so much more about it, but at the same time, there's still so much we don't know. And I think that's where, you know, this, this is a virus that is innovating, just like software does, and... You know, we can see with all of the new variants. A year ago, we had no new variants. Now we have, you know, just as we looked at the cases, we have 400,000 cases, new cases every day. And that's as many cases as there were in the world, active cases in the world at the time that Tokyo was cancelled. So globally, it looks like a very bad idea going forward. But the reality is, it's going forward. And, you know, the IOC are masters of managing risk. To themselves and so they have effectively transferred the risk to the athletes and made it all of their responsibility to compete at their own risk which is uh, what they normally do but competing at your own risk when the most you can do is, is fall off the balance beam or, or twist your leg or on the field of play is very different from the risk attached to COVID and at the at the upper level, the IOC has effectively transferred the risk to the World Health Organization by co-opting them as their partners. Um, I don't want to say partners in crime, as it were, but but there is a you know there there is a real issue here of liability, given that we have repeatedly tried to forewarn them, and foreseeability is a benchmark of liability. And this is where, when you see what is going on globally and the risk, and how we are watching Euro 2020 play out. And, and then it's very hard to see um, you know, how we can have a safe Olympics. But we can still, there are, I mean, there are still many things that can be done to actually mitigate the risk. And it is absolutely astounding that we are facing this global, this mega sporting event, which to me is much more likely to be a mega spreading event and, and pose this enormous threat to the, the globe. And particularly with the new variants. I think that's the, that's the piece where a year ago, we didn't have the variants. Now we're seeing variants arise with increasing frequency. The, the interval at which the variants arrive is getting shorter. And these are the variants, these are the only the ones that we know about. You know, a Delta variant 
may not kill people quite as fast as um, other variants have done. It's certainly much more transmissible. We think it's at least twice as transmissible. And it's harder to detect because it often gives you symptoms just like the cold. It may not give you an increased um, body temperature. And as we know, you know, up to 50% of COVID is transmitted asymptomatically anyway. And I think the big thing is that the IOC is using last year's science to address you know, a very real and real-time pandemic and a mega sporting event happening in real time. And the planning is absolutely inadequate. What would you recommend as basic measures to be taken? Well, since, the, since one of the problems is that the village and the venues were all built uh, brand new, perhaps, or, or refurbished, but using, they're using pre-COVID ventilation. And what that means is that, of course, you know, Japan has a national standard, which is probably you know, around the areas of three air changes per minute. You, know, you ventilate by bringing makeup air in from outside, and that's how you actually effectively ventilate a room. And that matters whether it's a bedroom, a dining hall, a bus, uh, an Olympic venue, an indoor venue, a swimming pool, a gymnastics hall. And what is um, so important here is that we're seeing athletes that are going to be sharing rooms, two or three to a room, sometimes more. We see that even though upwards of 80% of athletes will be vaccinated, that's not homogenous across all of the athletes. Some athletes are coming from countries that aren't vaccinated at all. And also we can see that vaccination is not a sinecure. We know that as doctors in particular. I mean, vaccination you know, is, is 90 to 95% effective against the original variant. But since then, the virus has evolved and, and we see that. And, um, you know, it's the, the data that I understand about the Delta variant is that Pfizer is only, uh, is less than 90% effective and AstraZeneca is only 60% effective at double vaccination. And of course we have seen this play out already with the arrival of a Ugandan athlete d double vaccinated with AstraZeneca and who tested negative before he left, arrived in Japan as a positive. So already we're seeing the failure of the measures that have been set up. And so you put that together with the new variants, highly transmissible, um, you know, 11,000 athletes plus you know, in a village and without any um, risk assessment of the, on the field of play, which I think is a really staggering, and the new piece, really, that there are some uh, athletic you know, sports, such as archery or golf, surfing, which are done outdoors and by yourself and carry little risk. You know, but uh, Thomas Bach, the president of the IOC, was a fencer. Now, maybe that looks as if you're protected yes you're wearing a kind of face mask but actually you're you're combating you know close to each other you're going to be huffing and puffing at each other and the chances that you can infect each other are extremely high there are other sports like judo like box, boxing and wrestling that are just about as intimate as intercourse they are you are really close to each other and very likely to be in each other's airspace and, and that is you know that is uh, that's where you really you would expect to see COVID detectors. You'd expect to see air filters, the HEPA filters, like put those in, like buy those up in bulk. You know, let every country that makes air filters now, you know, ship, ship them and make Tokyo as safe as possible because that is the best um, way that we can now mitigate the ventilation issue. Opening a window is just uh, lip service. It's literally a window dressing. I mean, seriously, you know, in Tokyo, 30 degrees heat, hot, humid, no one's going to be opening a window. And opening a window does nothing unless you open two windows 
or a door as well and it depends it, I mean they have to be the right window in the right space at the right height for the and it's just a, a nonsense and a, a really pure way to go about making the air safe. One month after the Olympic Games, the Paralympics will be held. Knowing that there will possibly be a post-Olympic surge in cases, does this concern you? Absolutely. I think so too. I think that that's a huge concern and very little has been talked about that. Athletes themselves are a low-risk group. As we know, they, they, they are healthy and less likely to, to get seriously ill, but they do still get seriously ill. They can have serious cardiac effects and others. And the Paralympians are a whole new ball game, and they have very different risks. They are less mobile. Um, you know, for a virus which hangs in the air even and slowly descends, well, if you're in a wheelchair, you think you're naturally probably at great risk in the end of getting, uh, you know, of inhaling more of those droplets. And, and sports such as wheelchair rugby, um, sports like boccia, because um, as I understand it, they are going to be a, a group of with diverse uh, range of immunocompetence and they may be so much more vulnerable. They have different mobility, they're differently abled. And the worst of all, of course, is that the Paralympics are going to take place right bang smack in the middle of that global spike, which we can absolutely predict will happen because we've seen it happen every single time and we're seeing it happen right now with Euro 2020. But we can think about it post Thanksgiving, post Christmas, that global spike in cases at a time when we have very precarious global control. And Japan itself is very lightly vaccinated. So, um, you know, the IOC should have been actually, uh, you know, you, you could foresee all this. I'm not the only expert to, to look at all of these risks. Uh, and, and you could foresee all of it and should have been planning well ahead and not relying that the pandemic would die out or that vaccination would be sufficient. You know, the reason that measles vaccine works is because measles has been around with us for millennia. So it's uh, optimized and stabilized already. COVID, you know, has so many variations to go. And what about, you know, if we then, you know, what we are essentially creating with the Olympics is a place where we have people from every single country in the world, except North Korea, all congregating in the same place, which is an extraordinary opportunity for the variants to mix perhaps mutate and have new viral progeny that are with different mutations, but certainly to share each other's mutations, which we know that viruses do to, to take advantage of the, the, the mutations that are so, you know, that work so well. And then we have all of the athletes going home to every single country. And many of those countries are, are don't, you know, don't necessarily have these variants yet. Um, Delta variant is in perhaps a hundred countries already, but many of these countries are unvaccinated, unprotected, and it, it, it's the equivalent of a kind of passive biological, you know, warfare of, of sorts, where you couldn't, this is how you would, you know, spread something incredibly effectively, spread the variants, you know, over every corner of the earth. And so it, that's where it becomes so important, I think, to use the, the air cleaners, the air filters, even the, those new aerosol devices, which can effectively um, aerosolize bleach, which... I've yet to look into. I'm not sure that athletes themselves would be very keen to inhale anything that could compromise lung function, but certainly for spectator areas where you know, those could be extremely effective in making those safe. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like to suggest a topic for discussion or contribute to Physicians Weekly, please email pwpodcast at physiciansweekly.com. That's it for this podcast. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and stay healthy. 
Physicians Weekly is produced in collaboration with Medicom Medical Publishers and Physicians Weekly.
That's it for this week. Stay safe and stay healthy.